So the power of conversation is a big deal. And I think that's one of the aches and pains that our clients experience. When they come to us and they start engaging with the team, that's one of the compliments that we regularly get is you guys understand the value, like the the underlying value of being good at um, the power of conversation. Welcome to the Soul Space Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hey, everybody, this is the Soul Space Podcast. Uh, with me, this is we're re inaugurating the Soul Space Podcast. I used to have one of these a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, and um, I have good reason to bring it back online and start it up again. My first guest uh, under version two of the podcast is Scott Hutchison. And Scott is an independent uh, strategic consultant uh, with a background in digital agency work. And um, Scott, I know you because you hired me and brought Soul Space onto a project. Not not exactly sure how you found us. Uh, we can talk about that because that's kind of part of the topic we're getting into. But right, um, you initially hired Soul Space, and I was actually the lead developer of the people on my team. I I ended up being the person serving the the, the client uh, along with you and then that happened another time and we had enough interactions that by the time uh, separately I was ready to really get going on go, doing a deep dive into marketing and sales tr- trying to overcome some issues I'd had personally about like getting anywhere near that topic those topics um, I had a, a level of comfort with you that I thought all right well I need help from some expert um, and I don't trust any marketing or salespeople at the moment. So what do I do next? So I reached out to you and, um, the kind of work you do, I find really fascinating. you I tell you over and over again, your job is to facilitate a conversation and the conversations between you and me and your job kind of like a good, a good therapist, like a good shrink is to get me to say the stuff I need to say. Uh, and you know, by virtue of doing that, think the thoughts I need to think. So that's kind of a long-winded introduction about um, who you are as far as I know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, But you ought to have an opportunity to talk. (laughs) Well, that's that's pretty accurate. I've actually had more than one client uh, describe me as a business therapist. And I was like, can I actually put that on a card somewhere? Is that... (laughs) I don't think I need a certification to have that, do I? Yeah, business therapist. Uh, business therapist. A, is what a I business therapist is, I don't know if you could sell anybody on that, but that really is what you do. We got a standing call every Monday. Um, that compels me to get my mind back into strategic marketing and sales thoughts. And we have some ongoing threads that we are working on. Just like you are with a therapist, you sit down in the office and you're working on mom, you know, or you're yeah. working on... Uh, your relationship with your brother or, or you, you know, your pet died. So you're working on that over a, a bunch of different sessions. And there, the end, there's an end in sight. It's kind of vague. You don't exactly know where you're going to land, but you know that you're being guided by somebody who will get you there. And that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, I think the first guy that I had a client that, that said that to me, I had asked him the same question uh, in probably a couple of dozen different ways over the course of a few hours of a conversation. Uh, because he kept evading it, you know, he kept not really getting into what he wanted to say, and finally, uh, he realized the question I was asking him 
uh, about his business and he answered it and it was kind of a revelation. He was like, oh, yeah, I guess I've been doing that wrong the whole time. He's like, you you just kept asking me the same thing over. And I'm like, yes, you know, and that's when he said, you're like a business therapist. You're like my therapist. You're just going to ask me the same thing. You know, why won't you talk to your brother anymore? <laughs> You know, until until you get to a point and you like break down and actually admit why you won't talk to your brother anymore. <laughs> well, it, um, that's exactly what a therapist does: is they they get into that space where they know you're soon going to be ready to see the thing you need to see, but it takes you a while to get there. And they're a guide. You're walking slowly, but they know that you're walking in the right direction, and they keep you going. So that's definitely been the case here. You've been watching me slowly walk toward. Um, having some ownership of uh, the marketing and sales questions at SoulSpace. Um, the initial version of this podcast was about marketing. I, I had a bunch of questions. I knew I was clueless. I was tired of being clueless about marketing and about how to bring the right kinds of clients into my business. And so I was interviewing people that I thought might have some answers. And um, I just wasn't really going about it right. I was not getting at the fundamentals of the problem. And I've since I feel like remedied that uh, to a great extent, I at least have a map of the terrain so I know where to go. Um, and that whole exercise of more than a year, largely done with you, has brought us to a point where, um, all right, we've t- I tried a few different types of marketing and advertising, um, some of the different methods to generate sales and bring in clients. And it seems clear that the route that a lot of other agencies take is appropriate for us, and that is. Uh, content marketing, specifically trying to generate content that has value in and of itself that you offer for free, that is found uh, by people doing Google searches or uh, by word of mouth, uh, that um, establishes your position and expertise in a given market. Um, That's going to turn out to work for us. It works for a lot of other people. Why shouldn't it work for us? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you, you go ahead. Oh, okay. I was saying that's an interesting point you said about, like, you, you kind of uh, blew past it, but, you know, you said content that you offer for free. And I think that's uh, something that's, uh, I remember uh, reading something, we've, we've talked a lot about the um, agency consultant, David Baker, who's also based here in Nashville, where I am. And um, we've read his, got a great book out there on uh, the business of expertise is the name of his book. Uh, but uh, a few months ago, maybe a year or something like that, he actually came out and he had been a master of uh, getting people to to give them his email, uh, give give him their email address, uh, you know, in order to get some of his content marketing, and that you know, of course, this has been the way for years and years. It's like, give me your email address, I'll give you this white paper, I'll give you this uh, this research. Uh, and he finally decided that uh, he just didn't want to do that anymore. He said, "Why am I gating my content? You know, why am I even requiring someone to give up in this age of you know?" Uh, awareness of our privacy to give up their email address to get this content. Don't I want them to know as easy as they can get to it how I think? And he sort of just pulled back from that completely and did a whole 180 uh, about that. And I think that's something I'm seeing a lot more of. And it's certainly something that you've been talking a lot about uh, recently is, is the idea of if you're trying to sell your business being that, you know, you guys do creative development and website maintenance and uh, software development. Uh, why are you also then burdening yourself to sell your own content? You know, that's now you're having to sell two things as opposed to offering the content so that then people can discover something about you so that then they can decide if they want to actually, you know, connect with you from a business standpoint. 
one of the lessons I learned with this marketing deep dive was my sense of um, or, or feeling that marketing and sales were repugnant and things that were icky and to be avoided. That was all sort of anchored in the in the idea that it was all about money getting and not about helping anybody. And when this this point you're making about David C. Baker offering his his insight for free, of course you got to buy his book. But there's so much material that he puts <laughs> oh, out yeah. that is that is free that's so useful and valuable and educational. Um, when I got around to thinking, wait a minute, the people who hire us and pay us money and have done so for 20 years, they obviously need us and want us, and we are creating value. Why? And there's probably others out there who have the same ailment that our current clients do, and we have the medicine that works. Why am I hiding it? Why, why do I have such a crappy attitude about getting the word out that we have ways that we can help? When I started thinking about doing things and putting, putting information and value, valuable content out for free, it, all that loosened up. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, this is really useful and I want to help. The underlying part of this is, is I want to be useful. I want to be helpful. And so does everybody on my team. We do want to make a living, but we're not greedy. You know, we, as long as we make a, a decent living and can put a roof over our heads and take a vacation from time to time and eat food, all that stuff then we're fine. It's not really about accumulating mass wealth. It's about helping. And once you get your head straight about that, then the whole question of how do you market and sell yourself, it's so much easier because you don't have that chip on your shoulder anymore. And it's David C. Baker and Blair Inns that listening to their podcast, The Two Bobs, it kind of got me to, to, to shake all that off and come around. Um, listening to them and their podcast is the reason I think podcasts are so useful there's hardly anybody will listen to this podcast, the Soul Space podcast. It's not going to get that popular. If it does one thing, if a prospective client says, I'm thinking of hiring these guys, I don't know, I don't have any idea what they're like. I see their website that kind of communicates their personality. I don't want to get on the phone with them. I'm busy. Uh, you know, I need to know more. A podcast is a great way to do that because you hear how I talk and think and who I know and how I talk to them. It tells you a lot about what it's like to do business with my company and what we can offer and how we can help. So in that sense, if it does that job for a couple of clients, then I'm satisfied it's successful. Well, that's a, I have think about you know as many different agencies as I've worked with. I've, I've worked for agencies and you know, been an employee at an agency. And then in my consulting career, uh, many of my clients are doing something that requires some sort of outside expertise you know, other than me. Uh, of course, the joke is, as a, as a strategic consultant, uh, my friends and colleagues ask me, well, what, what do you do? And I'm like, I don't really do anything. I just find people to hire to actually do the stuff. <laughs> so I'm not actually burdened with doing <laughs> which is not entirely true. But uh, I, I, like, I've had many times being uh, on that first phone call with an agency that's going to provide design or development or advertising or something, and you've looked at their you know, pretty great marketing, and you think, wow, they really have a great marketer because they're terrible on the phone, and you think if there was only some way I could have known uh, that that they're just like cannot get it together from a conversation standpoint, because that that in the end is going to be the vast majority of your work with someone. Uh, I think most people, uh, whether they're sitting in a conference room because they're working with an agency that's local or coming to them, or they're just you know using an old uh, frustrating conference call or something like that. It makes such a big difference to be able to think, oh, I can have an actual conversation with the people that I'm going to be working with. And how kind of rare 
I think, you know, a comfortable conversation is we've all been on the conference calls and the Zoom calls uh, that just kind of devolve into like an awkward, awkward moments yeah. of silence and uh, someone will mention price and then you got to kind of wander around that for five minutes without actually talking about the price. to the Soul Space Podcast. Well, you may be surprised to hear me say this, but that actually is a pretty good segue to what this particular podcast episode is is going to be about. You and I agreed that, all right, this is the inaugural version 2 podcast episode. It, it's a meta episode, mm-hmm. and it's an episode where you and I can... It's going to take a few episodes for me to get really dialed into what the theme and sort of the action and activity of this particular podcast, Soul Space Podcast, is going to be about. But I'm pretty sure it's about um, our clients and it, the, you know, those, those client personas that I think about all the time, the, the, the directors of marketing who are responsible for a website and the website keeps them up at night. They own it. The VP of marketing is going to land on them if they don't have that thing running smoothly and reliably. So those are the people I think about. Um, there are also our customers who are customers of our plugins, and those customers are uh, craft developers um, who are building up websites for clients, uh, the kinds that we serve. But anyway, so that's the audience, and the segue that I'm seeing is I want a podcast that um, addresses the pain points and issues that our client, our type of clients have, and I want a podcast that delivers value and answers to those questions, like you just brought one up just now. Um, how important it is to, to be skilled at conversation with your clients as an agency, as, as a service provider of digital services. The, the ability to respect the importance and value of conversation because you know that it is capable of surfacing problems before they ha- actually happen on launch day. And it's, conversation is capable of surfacing those things that, are, that a client is really um, burdened by and put you in a position to, you know, kind of tease things out a little bit more and propose um, ideas and, you know, float some, some things that might be useful, some things that are possibly inexpensive or easy to implement that they just don't know about. So the power of conversation is a big deal, and I think that's one of the aches and pains that our clients experience. When they come to us and they start engaging with the team, that's one of the compliments that we regularly get is, you guys understand the value, like the, the underlying value of being good at um, the power of conversation. And you've told me some stories of other agencies you've worked with. I, I really didn't want to take the podcast in this negative direction, but sometimes it's not there. Sometimes everybody's so transactional. They're, they're saying, what do you want me to build? When do you want it? How fast do you want it to go? And click. Let's hang up. Yeah. I, and you're I've missing a lot of really important details. Yeah, I... I uh... You know that I've experienced that without naming any names or anything like that. I've experienced that recently where I could tell the client, my client, and, and so this agency and I shared a client. I could tell the client was working hard to sort of establish this rapport, but the the agency on the other end of the phone was uh, kind of worried, I think, about their hours and things where, you know, budget was pushing on hours, and so they really just were pulling back on that relational side thinking, oh, we've got to be efficient. And I thought, if you just gave that up some... Uh, your client would be so much happier with you. And it reminds me when uh, years ago, when I was in college, uh, I worked 
for an agricultural extension service. And I grew up in Mississippi, and uh, if you live in Mississippi for any amount of time, and there's so much agriculture in the Mississippi Delta that you end up crossing paths and somehow working in the agriculture field at some point. So I ended up working for the State Extension Service. And so my job was to do fascinating things like count how many bowls were on a cotton plant uh, and how many bugs have been caught in a trap and this kind of stuff. But one day I went out with the, uh, the agent, and his job was to go out to all the farmers in the area and essentially find out how they felt about their crop for the year. Going to be good, going to be bad, what are they worried about? So it's, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's like someone coming to you and saying, hey, Mitchell, how are sales? I'm from the state, and I was wondering to know if you felt like you were had a good financial year. You know, it's kind of a touchy subject. So we would go up and uh, and see some see some farmer and, and, and uh, the guy I was with, the agent, he would talk to this guy for a good 35, 45 minutes, talking about his kid's football game and uh, a little about, about the weather, about their vacation, and notice he got in a new truck. And that went on, you know, for a good 35, 45 minutes. And then finally, he sort of worked it around into talking about the work and the what was going on in the field and the weather and the crops. And at some point, all of a sudden, that farmer is just spilling it all about what he thinks is going to happen with his crop and his worries and his concerns. And then he'd, he'd fat wrap up the conversation with getting the truck, and he told me, he said, hey, uh, bet you're wondering why I spent 45 minutes seemingly not doing my job. And I was like, well, I feel like you know what you're doing, but yeah, it was kind of unusual. I was like 19 at the time. I didn't know anything. He said, uh, that is my job. He said, that guy would never have told me all of that stuff that he's concerned about that I need to know as an extension agent for the agriculture service. He never would have told me that if I just come up and asked him. I had to talk to him for 45 minutes. He's like, that's the job. That's most of my job is building that rapport. And I thought that was such a, a stark lesson for me to know that when you're doing that kind of thing that feels like, quote, not working, he's like, yeah, that is work. That's what I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're reminding me of, you know, we've already talked about him on this podcast a little bit, but uh, David C. Baker, Blair Inns. Blair Inns calls this a value conversation. Not exactly what you're talking about in, in that case, but this idea that you can um, you can deliver the most value in the form of conversation and developing rapport and taking that seriously. And when I say taking it seriously, I mean diving into the, the pleasure of it. Like you, mm-hmm. having business conversations with my clients is one of my, my great pleasures. Um, developing those relationships and and really enjoying those business oriented friendships i never really expect i I never saw that coming when i started in the business but it's one of my favorite things to this day um and you you can deliver and and mutually generate value in that context and when that's missing i think i think a lot of the clients i can imagine who've come to me complaining about who they're with at the moment and they want to make a change that's one of the complaints i hear about is that they're there just doesn't seem to be a rapport, and they're um, they don't they don't pass the time of day. I don't know anything about their kids. I don't know you know what they did over the weekend, and that's not supposed to matter to developers of software people with you know with their noses down in the code. But you're totally missing the point. You're missing you're missing the, one of the pleasures of life, really, if you if you don't engage in that. You know, it's a that's a one of these things. I don't think I really thought about that in that way before, but I can't really think of many times that I've had a client or someone I've worked with or just telling me a story that they, they said, I'm getting rid of my current provider of X because I don't think they're very good at what they do. 
I thought they were good, and it turns out that they're they're substandard, and they can't meet those table stakes of just you know being good at what they do. It's almost always something relational. It's it's hardly ever. Well, they said they could develop this, but it turns out that uh, they don't have the skill set. Now that I think about it, I don't know yeah. that I've come across many people saying it's a skill set issue, which is what we spend so much time trying to make sure people know. Uh, I'm a ninja. I'm a guru. You know. Yeah, uh, I'm a ninja. I'm a guru. <laughs> <laughs> All this kind of stuff. You know, we made jokes about if you're going to use someone's title, you should be a, uh, you know, a, a design bishop or a, a developing rabbi, <laughs> which would sound kind of, yeah. now that sounds strange. You know, you're like, no one would call themselves that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a relational issue, especially I think, you know, when you're, uh, the work that, that we're in when it comes to, you know, my, I have long-term relationships with clients. Uh, so do you, you know, it's not a quick uh, even if you're an agency that builds websites and pretty much what you do is you design something and build it and let someone else maintain it. Uh, the kind of sites most people are having done today, if you're a midsize or larger enterprise business, it's taking months. You know, you're digging in with someone here. You're not going to, you know, email them a few times and get something done. You're going to be, you know, nine months in still, still developing things out. And you thought, gosh, I don't like these people. <laughs> now you're... You know, now you're married in, uh, and you're thinking, oh, yeah. you know, they're gonna—they're essentially my in-laws now. It's definitely a marriage. I mean, these relationships. Um, a number of our clients have been clients for more than ten years, and there's there's definitely that feeling of of a marriage in the sense that, you know, a lot of the days are good and easy, and you wake up and you have coffee together and throw some breakfast and get the kids off to school, and it's it's normal. Sometimes, uh, you know, maybe you got to prepare that big Thanksgiving dinner and work together as a team and it doesn't go so well. You know, I burn the turkey and you make the mashed potatoes too dry and the thing doesn't come off or it's not ready on time. That happens when agencies and clients are working together in their relationship. And that so that marriage dynamic is still there. If you have put the time and the effort into developing that relationship creating that trust, establishing that rapport, demonstrated a mutual commitment to sticking with it, um, even if the launch went bad, even if the site's crashing now that you know, you've know you released it and you don't know why it's crashing, it's getting hit by tons of traffic. Having that, having that relationship and that sort of uh, ease of conversational ability, especially if there's shorthand built in, like there... Uh, a married couple that is good at the marriage is good at the communication and that goes very much the same for agencies working for clients if they have that language shorthand built in where they there's no rupture of trust and I, I come back and say I well to tell you the truth I don't know why the website's crashing right after we launched it um, we are going to dive into it and I tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to call another colleague who probably will have some insight into this. Let me get that person involved too. Um, you just maintain that trust and you can lean on it when you have to. Uh, and it can get you, get you through a trying time. Yeah. The agencies that don't invest it at all in that, I, I don't know how they survive. I don't know how you get through those difficult times. Well, I, I think the, the, the honest answer is they don't. I, mean, I, think, I think that's the thing that's sort of the uh, open secret in our grander industry uh, is not... Uh, it's really how, how many jobs people lose. Um, you know, I have I, seen agencies that say, you know, oh, you know, we know the average lifespan of a client's about, you know, three to five years or something like that. 
Um, and you kind of start feeling uh, the change coming. This is pretty common in advertising and marketing agencies. Uh, but I don't know, like that. You've got you've had clients for long. I've had clients that that have stuck with me for. Um, I got one going on six years now. You know, and I haven't constantly worked with them. It kind of depends on their need. But I have worked with them uh, for edging in on now six years. Uh, and I think that's just because you know, like you said, we have shorthand. Uh, it's pretty easy to go back and forth. And I think that's something that that agencies in general <clears throat> are missing out on. And this is leading to. The, that's a big trend of businesses saying, wait a second, why don't I just take this in-house? You know, why don't I make the what I'm using an agency for be more transactional? And I'm going to bring it in-house. And I think they think it's cheaper sometimes as the justification is money. But I wonder if you really talk to them, if you would find out that what they think they're going to get from an in-house team doing something is that it's going to be easier to relate to them. And that because they're you know, employees or team members, that there's going to be that sort of almost built-in sense of relationship, whether that's true or not, that they're going to get that they're not getting with that agency. Because I think that kind of sets up, and it's, it's been this problem for a while, is that, you know, we've talked about this, the, the idea of, you know, the client and the provider having an almost adversarial relationship. You know, who's who's going to come out on top? Who's going to have the upper hand? And there's, you know, backroom discussions about who's going to get that. I think that's such a, what a difficult position to always be in, to think that you've got to one-up your client or your client's going to get the best of you. And uh, that just sounds exhausting. You spend most of your time protecting your your profit margin. Mm -hmm. Um, And you you can't stay in business without profit. I mean, I'm not a child. Uh, But, I mean, after a certain point, enough is enough, and you can focus on the client and the value in the relationship. I mean, there's just that bare minimum, that floor that you create that, you know, you'll you'll get through it. That's why the relationship piece is so valuable. If you're going to be a client of mine for 10 years, and I think we're headed over budget on one particular launch or one of your subsites, I'll just eat it. You know, we'll just figure it out together, um, and you can, you can get through that part. Um, but this idea that you have a relationship with someone and you have developed this um, you know, knowledge of the relationship. It's a marriage, but it's also a lot like having a primary care physician. Hmm. And you and I talk about this a lot as, um, you know, I, I wrote a book this year, Web Reliability is a title, and the idea is that you have this, this constellation of experts who come together to help you create a reliable flow of customers through your website. Now, there's one or two partners who stay involved all the time. There's one or two agency partners or um, uh, strategic consultants or what have you who are sort of guarding that thing and and keeping the lights on every day. And they're interfacing with a lot of other experts from time to time, coming in to deal with SEO problems or do a redesign or what have you. But this primary care physician um, theme, uh, it just pops up all over the place for, for my group. Because that's kind of our job. Like we, we own the maintenance and uh, ongoing um, care and feeding of these of these websites. These days, it's all pretty much all craft, craft CMS. Um, and what I'm noticing is that just like you go to your primary care physician that you've seen for ten years, they know the surgeries you've had. They know the drugs you're allergic to without even checking the computer. They know the quirks. They know that you don't want to take uh, a bunch of extra new um, pharmaceuticals if you can avoid it. Um, they know that you try to cut down on the coffee, but you, you know you love it so much you can't stop. They know all those things, and so there's a shorthand. There's a, the conversation's more efficient, 
and they the, that relationship is creates such a foundation they can send you off for tests and they can send you off to see an expert to deal with a specific problem but you always come back to that that underlying foundation so I feel like that's us and that's how we serve our clients I don't know how to market that I'm still trying to figure out how to how to communicate that in a way that's not off-putting like we deliver reliability is clearly what we do but when's the last time you heard Toyota say yeah, our, our, our trucks are really reliable. You ought to buy them. They don't have to do that anymore. It's just like mm-hmm. it's just part of the wallpaper. It's known. They advertise other stuff. And I'm finding that, uh, I don't know if it makes any sense to say, we, we try to make your website boring. We try to make it not be a part of your day-to-day activity. We, we make it so that you don't have to think about it. Um, but that's not actually what anybody wants to buy. Um, yeah, well, I still don't understand marketing, but I'm getting better. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if they if they do or not. I, that's you know. I see these sort of diverging trends in our industry. And you mentioned that that primary care physician analogy, and uh, I think that is a pretty close one because you know a primary. If your primary care physician said, "Yeah, it looks like you, uh, it looks like you've got a hernia and you had to have a surgery on that," uh, I could probably take care of that. You think, "Oh, wait a second. Um, I didn't know you were a surgeon." Uh, you know. Uh, we do all. Of, let me show my website. We do all of that because I feel like that's where you get these agencies, and they're like, "Hey, uh, we need new photographer for the website." And they're like, uh, "Designer Joe over here. I think he has a camera down there in a drawer somewhere. You know what? Let's put photography on the. We do photography. Put that on the website." And you just yeah. see these like you know. Yeah. I, I think one of my my sort of favorite slash leaf rate favorite things to see is if I'm researching an agency and I go and they've got this you know laundry list of all the things that they do. Everything from you know, advertising placement to strategic marketing to photography and video work, and you go and you look at their their about us page, and there's like 11 people there. You think how do you, how do you have 21 things you yeah. do on your website, but 11 people are working for you, and three of them have the title project manager. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, there, and there's the owner who probably never comes in the office. Yeah, but they. You know, that, that is that challenge. You, you can't provide all the services, but there's got to be someone in the room who knows what all the services are and when yeah. you need them. Uh, you know, you, you walk into the, to your primary care physician and you say, yeah, my throat hurts. I think I got the cold that's been going around. Can you give me something or what do you think I ought to do about it? And, and your foot is bleeding and barely connected to your body. <laughs> the primary you know, care physician is not going to ignore that problem. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, here's some, here's some cough drops and here's some vitamin C for your throat. Have a good day. No, they mm-hmm. see the blood and they see, that, right, <laughs> they see that critical problem. You might even not know. You, maybe you don't even know it's there. I mean, I'm, the analogy is not so great because with websites, there's some invisible problems that are percolating. They're going to bounce up and be a, a serious issue one of these days. But as a primary care physician, you see those like it's your job to survey the whole terrain and get it and know when to bring somebody in or tell the client, I think it's time for you to bring in, you know, your, your strategic, you know, conversion mm-hmm. expert or whatever the case may be. So there, there is that paradigm. It's, I think it's a theme that I'm just going to be exploring a lot on the, on the podcast of how to, how to create that reliable, stable, dependable foundation but how to tell people about that skill and that expertise that doesn't sound like, oh, we do everything. Because mm-hmm. it's definitely not what I'm claiming. Yeah. Plus, I, th- I think when p- someone, you recommend someone and, you know, to your, your mutual client and they come in and work alongside you, even if the, they're not working for you, and they do a good job, 
that kind of has to also make you look like a hero for finding them in the first place. I think there's a sense yeah, that somehow right. your reputation is going to go down because someone else did a thing better than you can do it. Uh, and I just haven't, I've just never experienced, you know, when, when I've been involved in that, I've just never experienced that. My, my, our mutual client is usually thankful that we're both there if we've done a good job for them. They're not like, ah, yeah. Scott's a loser. He couldn't, he couldn't figure that out. They don't, I think they're comfortable knowing that I wasn't claiming that. So, yeah. Well, um, this is, so this is a meta podcast. It's the first um, of hopefully many. And yeah. uh, one thing that you and I talked about that would, we think would be good is we're going to record once a month, but we're going to do two chunks. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that we, you know, we do one single one-hour session, but from that we get um, two podcasts of about a half hour. So we're at that point. We've covered the survey bit. And we're headed into the, ter- the territory that I wanted to be have that have that second podcast be about, which mm-hmm. is this question of how do you how do you say yeah what you want is boring, reliable, dependable, stable that you don't have to think about. You turn the key, the car starts every time. You want that, but you don't know that you want that. What you think you want is a different thing. And in order to get to that stable, dependable, boring place, you have to do some really interesting, creative, innovative things to achieve that. So there's that difficulty there, and it came up in a redesign process we're doing on the Soul Space site. So I figure we'll talk about that next. So we can wrap this one. Yep. And um, then a couple of weeks from now, people will be able to listen to the second half of this where we'll talk about that new topic. You've been listening to the Soul Space podcast. 